Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Bruce, the Major League Baseball draft taking place this week. Just five rounds down from the regular 40. We know that's 1,050 players who will not be drafted. But teams can sign an unlimited amount of free agents, albeit at a reduced rate. It is an interesting and odd year to be working your first draft, but that is the case, or be in charge, I should say, of your first draft. But that is the case for our next guest, who joins us on the Alpamani Ford Hotline, Alpamani Ford in Melrose Park. Mike Shirley, the new scouting director for the Chicago White Sox, new as of last summer, of course, uh, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. And nice enough to take some time on a Saturday morning to join us. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Bruce. I hope you and your family are doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Matt and I are, are certainly going to be interested in hearing exactly the guy you're going to pick. Of course, that that takes a lot of things to uh, <laughs> be able to accomplish, and that is uh, uh, other teams cooperating with it. But nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, you know, earlier in the week you talked to uh, some beat reporters for the White Sox, and you talked about having 15 guys uh, on your board. And you guys pick at number 11, so it, it, it's pretty obvious you're going to get somebody you like when the White Sox pick at 11. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we're, we've tightened that up just a little bit more, and I think uh, we're marching towards uh, draft day and really excited about uh, the perspective, the angles, every detail we've looked at to get to this point, and the discussions continue. This continues to be an evolving process, as all drafts are. But we're truly excited about the piece of the puzzle we're going to add to this uh, rebuild that's really in the direction, you know, we want to go. So we're excited. Mike, do you allow yourself to think about the, the, the window of competitiveness for the big league club at a moment like this, because there's a lot of college guys available, obviously high school guys available. Do you think about wanting to get somebody who might help sooner rather than later because of uh, where the big league club is, or is it dangerous to think that way? I think that, you know, it's unfair not to think about both angles, but, we are prepared to take the best player that we feel like can help, whether it's next summer or four years from now. I think you prepare for both aspects of that. Um, the guidance of Rick and Kenny and those men, they've been steadfast on making sure we get the best player who's going to help us and make the most impact to the White Sox, whether they come 
uh, next week or in five years. That's what we're looking for, the men that are going to help uh, define what the White Sox are and what we're going to be in our future. Mike, uh, when you, you look at uh, this year's uh, list and you uh, you spoke about how it's a pitching-heavy draft, uh, outstanding college pitchers, outstanding high school pitchers, how difficult is it for a team uh, like yours uh, from your history of being a, uh, a scout to, to go after a high school player, uh, in particular a pitcher, because you know the ascension is usually – two to three to four years and so many things, so many variables can happen within that time frame. Absolutely, Bruce. And that's been one, one piece of the draft that's always been, you know, difficult to manage, but I, I've spoken about this where I think our young generation is at today. Um, these kids are so specialized. They're trained totally different than we were when we were children. So the development of them comes at a different rate today. And I think that you continue to have to understand the training mechanism and where they're at in their development curve. That is something we're really paying attention to more and more as all these tools that we have to evaluate players are coming, you know, to the forefront. Bruce, we're evaluating high school pitchers for the 11th pick of the draft. I mean, that's something you must do today to make sure you're, you're accurate. There's, there's no magic formula to the major league baseball draft. So if you, if you segment, in this regard, uh, players, you, you know, it's not always to your benefit. So we're looking at that, Bruce, and I think that's important. Uh, these guys are special. They're special athletes today. They move different. And if there's a piece of the puzzle that can anchor your rotation and be a, a steadfast entry into it, you've got to be ready to attack that angle of the draft. That's interesting. So, it, and as the economics of the sport has shifted as well, Mike, you've got you've got the development uh, levels shifting in the way you're talking about because so many new tools are available. So an 18-year-old this year, as opposed to an 18-year-old 10 years ago, he might make the majors a lot sooner than that 18-year-old 10 years ago, right? Absolutely. I, you know, the player is always going to tell you when they're ready for that piece for the next step. Um, but these kids today are special. They're different. You know, they they're trained to... Uh, do things and move in different ways. When we talk about training, there's there's so much more in-depth to their training process, and their health is so much more significant today. We have so many more um, tools to look at their health, evaluate them. It's just a different piece of the puzzle today than it's ever been. Mike, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the other day how uh, someone asked you about, well, you only have five picks in this draft. Um, what are your thoughts? And you said very glibly, we better get five right. I thought that was outstanding. Uh, but that's always the philosophy, isn't it? I mean, it's never, even when you have 40 picks, it's you're hoping to hit on the uh, 27th pick and the uh, 30th pick as well, because you never know when there's a Mark Burley sitting there around the corner. Absolutely, Bruce. And I, it does give a little bit more context to, you know, what five rounds are. And obviously, uh, with the number limited, you're not you're not counting on the backups that sometimes you get from six to thirty. You know, from pick six, number six to thirty, to help get this right. So I think we look at it like, hey, let's take on the challenge. Let's be prepared. Let's get five picks right. Um, I think every year you take on that mantra that you want to get it right. But there's been a little bit more push this year to 
ensure that look, we got to do the deep dive here. We got to be prepared for every aspect. And uh, it's been great. Uh, that's, that's what we're dealing with. What do you want in the makeup of a player, Mike? What are you looking for from the personality profile and makeup of, of a ball player that you choose? You know, I, I think with any aspect, we, you want to be around good people. I think if you're a good teammate and you care about others, that's always something that any corporation, whether it's Major League Baseball or Microsoft, would, would look at. You, you want people around you that can help others, that you can count on. Um, that DNA we, we're always looking for, but you're always looking for people that have special, specialized skills. And it comes in, in different forms and fashions. It doesn't always present itself. There are kids that are really laid back that when the light turns on at 710, they're ready to go. They're their best at 710 at night. You may not like everything they do in the day before 710, but come 710, they're winners. And you can never forget that. If there was a perfect scenario to this or what makeup man or what, everybody would have that figured out. Um, that's the constant challenge of this job. And it's a piece of the puzzle that you look really hard at. Like even today, I mean, we, we're going, when I get off the phone with you, I'm going back in to interview three more players today uh, just to capsulate three more things I need from these players. So that's been the environment we're forced to be in. We don't have as much evaluation. So the deep dive into the makeup has been substantial at this point. You know, Mike, uh, when you talk about this with, uh, when Matt asked you that question, I, I think of Bobby Jenks, who was drafted by the angels and had a tremendous arm. Nobody, nobody doubted that, but uh, with a, a background of, you know, troubled upbringing, you know, and problems uh, because of, of that, you, you don't know that that really is impacting your makeup. You only know that he's had a troubled history, but you can't measure the heart in all of those uh, tests that you do. And uh, a player like uh, Bobby Jenks, or, uh, you know, eventually gets around to showing up in the major leagues, showing great heart, uh, being a, a, an all-star. Um, so it, it's really an inexact science for you guys, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's, I mean, I'm very gracious of Bobby Jinks' efforts for the White Sox. I have a World Series ring because of that man. Um, so you appreciate the physical talent um, and what he brought to the table was special in the ninth inning. Um, sometimes it takes a certain personality to exist in that shell at that moment, pitching in the ninth inning when everything is on the line. It's a different demeanor required to answer that part of the job. And looking at the player's heart, as you, as you would say, yeah, you want them to have the most amount of courage you can bring to the table. But it takes sometimes special people to answer that bell, run out of the pen when, that, you know, when everything's on the line. So you talk about different details in our game that we have to dive into. You know, sometimes humans aren't perfect, but you're looking for something in them that, that at the moment when the courage is most needed, they answer that bell and they, they love that moment. Hmm. This draft specifically, Mike, is so interesting because of the uncertainty, because college seasons and high school seasons were shut down in March. Um, twice, five college guys went in a row at the top five picks of the draft when 92 and 2018. I've read that it's possible that six college players would go. Um, it, it is, is there a tendency to want to look towards the colleges more just because those guys are a bit more mature and there's a bit more, um, a bit more game and, 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 and tape play that's uh, available and on the record at this point? I think so. 
as a whole, you look at the trend of the draft, obviously college players at the top have been, you know, a big portion of it. I don't think as a whole, at least I can speak for the White Sox, we look at the broad picture of the draft. We don't specify college players to be any different than high school players. Um, you remember a lot of the guys who go to school that don't sign out of high school, they were probably, for the most part, prospects in high school who were evaluated. Um, that someone thought that they were worthy of being selections, and some guys take off. Um, that answer is always tough, but development or where players accelerate their career comes with multiple multiple sequences of their life. If a guy goes and he's a high school kid and he's six one and he grows four inches and puts on twenty five pounds, he's a different different you know type of aspect he brings to the table at that point. Um, that's just human development things that come into their training mechanism. You just got to be ready to capture that. Um, there's high school players in this draft that are going to have impact at the major league level. The trick is getting them right. And if someone's got the magic formula of that, we're you know we're always listening. It's just a challenge. That's the challenge of doing our job. The loss of the public high school season for Ed Howard seems to be generally impacting in the prognostication of him going in the first round. He was initially going into this year as consensus first round pick, and he still hopefully might be. But what has been your contact? What has been your analysis of Mount Carmel's Ed Howard, their very fine young shortstop? I think, Bruce, the first thing you talk about is the 2020 um, class. First off, there's so many high school players in our communities that lost their season. Um, that's been that's not been that's been something we talked about it you know, as a White Sox group. Um, we feel bad for these young men who work so hard to you know develop the craft of their skills to um, make sure when it's their draft year out of high school they're ready for us. And even high school players, they're going to be great college players. And high school kids that love to play baseball, that's something we've talked a lot about. We feel very. It's a sad moment in our game that those kids have lost those moments of their life. Um, when it comes to Ed Howard, the White Sox think Ed Howard is a tremendous kid. He comes from a great family. Um, he's a tremendous leader at 18 years old. Um, I think that's special. I, Ed Howard, we think a lot of, he's been part of the ACE program that uh, the, all, many White Sox members work hard at. And so we're proud of that. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, he, you know, he showcased him, his, himself really well, you know, over the last, through his sophomore year, into his junior year. So we've had plenty of looks at Ed. Uh, he should do well for himself. We're very proud of him. Um, it's been a pleasure watching him grow into the person, the baseball player, the young man he's become. And as I said the other day, everyone should be proud of Ed Howard. Uh, he's, he's a good kid. Hey, hey Mike, um, MLB Pipeline referred to Reed Detmers as the most polished left-handed pitcher in this draft. Ed Howard is a Chicago kid. Reed Detmers, born in Springfield, grew up in downstate in Illinois. Um, what are your thoughts on Reed, the left-handed pitcher out of Louisville? Well, first off, um, a tremendous kid, raised by a great family. Um, he's going to have a bright future ahead of him. We obviously is something somebody we're really paying attention to. Um, I, I think a lot of the kid, I think a lot of how he uses this stuff. I think the, uh, the courage, the strike throwing ability he has, he does some things in his in his process that are really exciting. Um, it, it's a really good curveball. On top of that. Um, I think that his command of the strike zone is significant. You know, he's a guy we continue to talk about, and uh, we're excited to see how it unfolds you know, with him. And 
another guy Illinois should be proud of. Uh, just a, just a good kid from a good family. I think his father his father, you know, pitched in the minor leagues. Um, you talk about the Zoom interview we had with him. I think if every White Sox fan or every baseball fan in Illinois could have been in that interaction, he'd have been proud of that young man, what he brings to the table, how he speaks. He went to a great program at the University of Louisville. Dan McDonald's a tremendous leader down there. Uh, Roger Williams, a pitching coach. Those guys are they're they're doing it down there really well. Um, they're providing these young men with you know the tools and the resources that they walk in professional baseball. They're ready to go. Uh, so Reed Detmer is going to do really well for himself. Uh, last one from me, Mike and, and Matt, and I really appreciate your time today. We know how busy you guys are, especially with the intricacies of this year's draft where you may be all collectively be together in one room you might be doing the whole thing separately together which brings on a different challenge but nonetheless thank you for your time with uh spencer torkelson who most people are picking to be the number one pick overall by the tigers he's a right-handed hitting first baseman from asu uh right-handed hitting first baseman uh you know rarely have ever seen the top of any draft. So from that, is that a peculiarity, or is he just that much better in a lot of people's eyes, possibly than than others out there in the draft? Um, for me, I, I have a little bit different perspective of Spencer. Um, I have a, one of my. I, I live in Anderson, Indiana. So the hitting coach, one of the hitting coaches of Arizona State, is from Anderson, Indiana too. A guy that played in the White Sox system, Michael Early. Um, is now the assistant coach at Arizona State. So he's been telling me about Spencer for since he walked on campus, um, how special he thought it had to be. Uh, Mr. Torkelson does it at a different level. It's, it's First off, it's he controls his own at an elite level. Um, his power is substantial. He uses both halves of the field extremely well. So when you got that kind of bat speed, bat strength, you control the zone like that. I mean, obviously, every Major League Baseball team is going to gravitate towards that type of impact, and this guy's got a chance to have impact. So um, he's, he's, he's put in the right specter of the draft because I, I think he's a significant piece to this. So he'll do well. Mike, uh, it's such a, a weird moment here, less face-to-face interaction with these people, but I saw that you had said maybe more interaction because a lot, a lot of Zoom, a lot of – FaceTime and the like. It, it's tricky. Some ways, maybe known player, but people better know, know the players better. But people can be whoever they want to be online. It could be right. It, it can be kind of tricky right. to figure out whether you're really getting an image of somebody or not. Absolutely. So, um, I think it's really important to you know do the deep dive. You just don't take the things that they tell you. Um, only you're doing constant background work on them. But, you know, for the most part, these, these kids that get a chance to go early in the draft, they're good people. There's no, there's no red flags in their background. Their, their diligence to their craft, they, they sacrifice a lot. So being a great baseball player today, you know, you have to be locked in to what you're trying to accomplish. But it's been different. Uh, the Zoom call has been every day, every moment, um, you know, it's been come from multiple angles, uh, but it's just another technology piece that all keeps us all connected today. And without it, I don't know what we've done. If this would have happened, if we'd have been in this situation 10, 15 years ago, um, I'm not sure how this would have worked. So uh, it's been a great piece. Uh, another, you know, that we can appreciate technology to help us get to this point. So, 
Mike, uh, Matt and I really appreciate your time. All the best of luck on Wednesday. We'll be talking to you then after the White Sox make their pick. Uh, the best of luck to you in your first uh, uh, draft as a scouting director, and thanks again. Bruce, thank you, guys. Please keep talking about baseball. We need it, and appreciate all you guys do, okay? So thanks. Yeah. Be well for thank yourselves, you, and keep keep pushing the game for us, okay? Thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. Mike Shirley, scouting director of the Chicago White Sox, right here on Inside the Clubhouse at 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. It's, um, it's an interesting moment for the draft, and uh, I certainly appreciate what he said there. People do need baseball. They need to hear about baseball. Good couple of guests there back-to-back in different angles. Pat just about the, Pat Hughes about the beauty of the game and what he misses, and, and Mike Shirley about uh, what it is to be working in the midst of the game right now, in the midst of these circumstances. Very strange. We should talk about the draft this week, uh, Bruce, what folks should expect and maybe what the Cubs are thinking about as well with the draft upcoming here. We'll do that coming up, and we'll take your phone calls at 312-644-6767. Text us at the exact same number, 312-644-6767. This is your show. It's an open forum for you until the top of the hour when we turn it over to Rosie and Mark Grody. It is the score. It's... Phone line's open for you at 312-644-6767. Hop on in right now on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. You know, Bruce, when there is baseball in ballparks and on the air, you can feel it all over, can't you? And I yes, can you feel can, it. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's a wonder, isn't it, Stevie? <laughs> and I could feel it. We could all feel it just a little bit when Pat Hughes finished his segment with the Chicago Cubs are on the air. Several textures getting in at 312-644-6767, appreciating that that Pat went there. I, I like the idea that he's available he would like me to go ahead and make him an offer to join me on the balcony and just kind of be the voice of <laughs> the sound of baseball for my own personal enjoyment, you know? Uh, he, he did say there would be a remuneration involved. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, would be, it would be pushing the friend thing to the limit as far as him making the trek out from the suburbs to your palatial home in the city to uh, sit on your uh, veranda and enjoy... Uh, you know, a mint julep or something like that. <laughs> Boy, I made a mint julep once, 
And I'm like, wow, people people drink this? People drink Scope? I had no idea that they, <laughs> <laughs> that they did that. It's whatever gets you through the night. <laughs> I, I, I suppose so. I suppose so. All right, so five rounds. They're still stretching it out into two nights, and it's on two television networks this week. This is It's weird that the shortened-up draft is actually going to be the highest-profile one baseball perhaps has ever had because of the dearth of activity and because of two television networks being involved, isn't it, Bruce? Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, the first, I think, 23 uh, people that are kind of listed right now are showing uh, are, are going to have all those 23, 30, 30 caps available to them to put on uh, when they're interviewed uh, virtually through uh, Skype or through Zoom uh, when they're drafted. So it's going to be interesting uh, to watch that. Uh, the, you know, the previous draft that we watched uh, you know, with the NA, with the NFL was was mm-hmm. interesting. I think um, baseball pull out all stops as well. Uh, getting into it, uh, you know, at 11, the White Sox uh, pick, and uh, you know, there's some people talking about uh, them drafting a young catcher uh, out of high school named Patrick Bailey. They have the Cubs possibly with Bailey dropping down to them as well at 16. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see from what Mike Shirley, the scouting director of the White Sox, talked about whether or not uh, there will be that hesitation for high school players or uh, is the next Johnny Bench coming out of high school, Patrick Bailey from North Carolina. Interesting. Yeah, so there's a couple catchers, high school catchers. You mentioned Patrick Bailey. There's this kid, Tyler Soderstrom, um, who is a prep player, a lefty hitter. Um, but not a great defensive catcher, but I've heard the White Sox linked to him a little mm-hmm. bit at, as well. Um, I can't stop looking at the name of this outfielder who's been linked to both the Cubs and the Sox in a couple different mocks I saw. The, the Athletic um, had Garrett Mitchell, the um, speedy outfielder from UCLA, going to the Cubs. I also saw that name on a White Sox blog um, in talking about the possibilities for the White Sox. It's just too close to Jared Mitchell. It's just too mm-hmm. close to the guy that they, too close to the name of the guy they took, uh, what, one pick ahead of Mike Trout or two picks ahead of Mike yeah. Trout? You have to remind us of that, right? Sorry. Sorry about yeah. that. But um, but it, it, it certainly it certainly is interesting. You know, I remember when MLB first started putting the draft on the air on MLB Network and it was kind of it was pretty goofy the first time around and they were like trying to figure out how to make it interesting. And most people don't know these players, like, you know, some of the NFL draftees and the NBA draftees from their days playing, playing college hoops and stuff um, and college football. But now with this focus and with, as you mentioned, the NFL draft was an amazing television production here amidst the pandemic. And it sounds like MLB is going to try and make this, you know, watchable television, and um, and it, it'll be interesting. I'll I'll be uh, I'll, I'll I'll certainly be checking it out. And I don't know that I've spent a lot of time watching the MLB draft on television, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, part of my duties have always been uh, to watch the draft, and it's it's it hasn't been anything near as exciting, except for uh, I'm trying to remember the White Sox number one pick about ten years ago or eight years ago, who did the backflip. Uh, his name is escaping me right now. Uh, he did the backflip while being interviewed, uh, standing up. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. But I'm sure Courtney you'll pull Hawkins. it up here. Courtney Hawkins, yeah, just uh, there you go. doing a perfect backflip. And 
that pretty much was the highlight of his career uh, for the <laughs> Chicago White Sox. A lot oh, of boy. swing and miss, uh, you know, 15 homers and 852 strikeouts per year. Just uh, wasn't in the books. Uh, and and it, the number one pick is such a hit and miss, and it has been for both Chicago teams historically up until recently for the Cubs. It was uh, a vast wasteland in between Doug Glanville and, uh, you know, the, the mid-2000s before they started, you know, coming up with the, the Mark, Mark Pryors of the world in, in 2000, hmm. 2001. I mean, that was a long way between drinks. You know, obviously, Kerry Wood was in 98. But uh, there were a lot of swing and misses in those drafts. And the White Sox as well, tremendous dearth of uh, uh, success with the number one pick uh, in between uh, the – the Joe Creedy era, and he was not a number one, but uh, the, um, the the final pick for Nick for uh, for Anderson, you know, that has worked out. Uh, it's been a, a very tough road for number one picks for the White Sox as well over a couple of decades. Yeah, it has. I think um, you know the, the the history of what of what the White Sox have done. There was a period in there. Um, when they had that incredible run early on uh, in the 90s yeah, the, with you know, Larry McDowell, Hines era. Yep. You got it. McDowell, Ventura, Frank Thomas, Alex Fernandez. Holy All hell. All four that. in a row. Yeah. Yep. There was um, Larry Himes and Al Goldis, his scouting director. Larry Himes was the general manager. And they hit home runs on all of those. And uh, that set up the organization with a lot of other draft picks as well. Uh, along the way for the next 10 or 15 years, even though all those players didn't stay, uh, they, they contributed tremendously while they were there and brought other players back uh, mm-hmm. in trades that, that kept the White Sox going. And that type of success, the, the Cubs have had uh, outstanding success uh, here in the uh, early to mid-2010s uh, as well, 2010, 2020, with beginning with uh, Baez and moving forward with Elmora and, of course, uh, Bryant, uh, followed by Schwarber and then Hap. So uh, lots, lots of great picks uh, going on there. And, again, you're not going to hit a home run every time with a number one pick, but you should get a major league player of some uh, quality. And I think uh, the Cubs have done that extremely well. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a shame for the White Sox, who did not – did not have success in the draft, and 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 I would would argue did not approach the draft as they could have and should have in the early 2000s. There was a time where there were no restrictions, and you could spend over your draft slot. And certain smart front offices really took advantage of that and used money that way. And the White Sox did not in that decade, but they've since gotten so much smarter and so much more aggressive. And in recent years have spent overdraft slot, even with the restrictions, it's still been a big part of their philosophy in the later rounds, Bruce. And to have this draft reduced to five rounds is, is really unfortunate for them at a moment when they're, when they're taking it more seriously and doing it better than they have in a long time. I think the draft overall, it's, it's, it's too bad that this moment in time has hit them in that way. Well, I'll tell you what, your hard work as a uh, scouting department and as an organization will really be tested this year, uh, Matt, because I think a lot of people are unaware that after the 
first five rounds where uh, people pick uh, in order, you know, descending order from where, the way you finished. Uh, then you can sign anybody you want for $20,000. That's a max if, if players are willing to do that. So there's going to be a tremendous amount of talent out there that will all be basically free agents signing with whoever they want to. There's no order of picking. So, uh, you know, the creativity of the $20,000 contract that they can sign with a certain team will be watched very hard and uh, for a long period of time by Major League Baseball so that there's no side deals made. In other words, you cannot sign a $20,000 contract let's say with the new york yankees if you're player x uh, after the fifth round and then all of a sudden get a contract for a hundred thousand dollars the next year that's going to be watched and it's going to be monitored by major league baseball so there's no hanky panky of uh, offering actually more money than you can initially offer that's going to be the test but it's going to be a lot of creativity out there as well because of the fact that um you look at the draft and you go, wow, you know, after 150 players are picked, uh, everybody can go after the same players and be as creative as, as they want to entice the player to come and play for you. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, you know, there was that article of a few weeks back, Bruce, and I had forgotten about the old rule on how the number one overall pick in the baseball draft used to have to alternate between the National League and American League. Mm-hmm. And because of that, every once in a while, you'd have the team with the worst record in the league not getting the number one pick because of that arcane, mm-hmm. it's just like random rule that baseball had a tendency to have things in like that. It reminds me of how the World Series home field advantage used to just alternate from league to league which was a, a kind of a, a crazy a crazy thing but that 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 rule it used to come up and and sometimes i remember one one time the tigers were supposed to have the number 1 pick and they didn't because it was the national league's turn so the padres got it but they took matt bush and the tigers had to settle for some guy named justin verlander so it, yeah. it just shows you how how inexact yeah. the science is even at the very very top of this thing yeah, I mean, look at how uh, Chris Bryant uh, fell to number two for the Cubs, you know, yep. and the consensus all, um, you know, all over was that the pitcher that Houston was going to take, uh, number one, everybody had him consensus 1-1 one, one all the way. He uh, fizzled out, never, never, not a thing, he's, not, he's out of baseball at this point. Hmm. Unbelievable. So Well... Um, there's there's more to discuss, and we heard from a couple people, a couple voices uh, on during the week that we should uh, we should get to. Is we, occasionally we like to do a little bit of a score rewind and let you hear from some folks who were on the station during the week. It's Bruce Levine and, and me myself, Matt Spiegel here on Inside the Clubhouse. Should we take a break and come back and hear from those folks, Bruce? Yeah, that sounds good. Again, you want to join us? Three one two six four four six seven six seven. That's also our text line. You're listening it is the to the score. score. You got it. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. You got 670 The Score. Top of the hour, it is Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. 
and they are going to talk to among among others this um, this day they're going to be talking to Sam Acho the former Chicago Bear who helped organize uh, a pretty remarkable group of local athletes that visited the Austin neighborhood in Chicago to listen and learn about the experiences of uh, the young people there. Our Chris Emma over at 670 The Score wrote a column about it, Bruce, and um, Sam Acho will be on with Rosenblum and Grody at around 11.20, just after we get out of here. So looking forward to yeah, hearing that after we're done. It, it's it's really interesting when athletes uh, step up and uh, offer just uh, some compassion. You know, just say, hey, we have a forum here, people who know People know who we are, and we, we care. And then, and then just show up. Uh, it's pretty much what uh, Lucas Giolito and uh, Tim Anderson of the White Sox uh, talked about earlier this week, uh, that uh, they are not only going to be there for people and show up at peaceful uh, demonstrations, but also educating themselves and re-educating themselves as to what the, the issues really are other than the obvious uh, racial uh, issues that we have seen in this country for 400 years. Um, for athletes to step up, young athletes to say, you know, we're here, we hear you, and we, we just want to add our support, I think that's a tremendously helpful and refreshing. Absolutely. A really tremendous roundtable that... Um that took place that Doug Glanville, friend of the show and the station, was part of, along with Tory Hunter and Latroy Hawkins and Jimmy Rollins. That was that was some impactful, really uh, worthwhile stuff to hear um, a bunch of um, a bunch of former MLB players, African Americans, talking about the the situation and talking about what life had been like in MLB and and what MLB could be to do to be a part of uh, some good moving forward. So. It's, an, it's certainly an interesting moment in our country's history, and to hear to hear um, athletes and uh, people involved in sports have a chance to talk about it has been a good thing. Now to the more mundane, back to uh, baseball, uh, ac- actually, uh, hopefully happening at some point uh, over this next month or so. Uh, we uh, had a couple of different uh, conversations during the week with some of our great shows. Let's get to it, Matt. Yeah, Ian Happ has been doing a weekly with uh, with Dan Bernstein, and he joined them on Thursday, uh, one more time. And 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 Ian talked about what I think some people then saw the next day on Twitter that he and his teammate, roommate Dakota Mekas, um, had made a decision. And uh, he addresses it here in this clip from the uh, show with Dan Bernstein. We don't know anything except for the fact that we've been here too long. Um, <laughs> I think that there's there's baseball on the horizon somewhere. Uh, nobody knows when that's going to be. But Dakota and I kind of made the decision that, hey, um, we've been here long enough. Let's head north. Uh, it's 105-plus every day here now. And it sounds like Chicago weather has been beautiful. So I'm going to start heading that direction. So the, And then we saw the next day, Bruce, a video of Ian Happ and Dakota Mecca's in the car road tripping to Chicago. Do we add that to the list of potentially good signs um, indicating that a baseball return might be coming? That or a new reality show to watch on Netflix, uh, one one or the other. Uh, I would I would say there is optimism optimism out there from players uh, that I've uh, talked to off the record and baseball people that uh, 
you know, they're ramping up their uh, exercises, they're ramping up their baseball activities uh, in hope that uh, they will be in a camp within the next 10 or 14 days. And you, you got to believe that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I, I think so. And then Peter Gammons, the Hall of Fame writer, Peter Gammons, who we've been lucky enough to talk to on this show, was on with Mully and Haw this week. And he talked about something we can expand on a little bit. He was talking about how, you know, there's baseball in 2020 to consider. There's baseball in 2021 to consider. And then there's baseball even beyond that. And a lot of people around the game are thinking in kind of a three-year plan. The whole revenue stream of the business is going to be minuscule by the time they get back. I said at the beginning, and I've had a lot of general managers say to me, the new normal for baseball, which is what they're looking for, is impossible before 2023. So that all the negotiations should be about what do you want the game to look like in 2023. Instead, they're saying what we want the game to look like in July of 2020. And therefore, it's been a hopeless and hapless negotiation. So that that's Peter Gammons. And to expand on that just a little bit, Bruce, uh, he wrote about it in The Athletic, and he quoted a general manager, team's general manager, that said to Peter the following, and let me just read this to you and get your thoughts on it, okay? Said, quote, obviously the game is not going to be the same when it comes back. Because of revenues, the form, the draft, and the minor leagues, and college baseball, and all structures take – will be a three-year process. This year, we just have to try and get the game back. 2021 and 2022, we will rebuild attendance and revenues and to determine where that takes free agency, arbitration, draft, and other compensation. Let's be realistic. Baseball is not going to be the same. Just the world as we know it won't be the same. What we have to do now and in the next two years have to be focused on is what we want baseball to be in 2023 does that add some context to the quote we just heard from peter there i think so and, and if you look at uh you know the problems that we're going to have here for the next couple of years because of the economy taking such a huge hit and so many people being out of work uh you know the uh the readjustment of um people and their revenue streams and their businesses are going to be a huge part of the 2021 sit down between the players and the owners and the CBA. It, it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to talk about how baseball revenues are going to be restructured, how they might may have peaked uh, two years ago, uh, and that uh, the the 10.8 million that they grossed uh, as billion rather 10.8 billion that they grossed as a as Major League Baseball did last year is a peak. And that, uh, you know, defining where these franchises go from here and the actual worth of these fr franchises and the actual payment to uh, players is, is going to be all, all readjusted. Uh, that doesn't change like that doesn't come easy. And we'll be watching this from closely, in some cases from afar and others, because, you know, most fans, again, they don't have much uh, tolerance for this because it, it, it's been made and proved again that without the fans, uh, there is no baseball, there are no revenues uh, per se. And that includes uh, TV and radio revenues. You know, once, once the interest starts to wane, then the prices uh, for those uh, rights holders, uh, that, that, that drops as well as far as what the worth is. So there mm -hmm. is an adjustment coming, a big adjustment coming in our country in general and in baseball itself. 
Yeah, I, I think that adjustment for the country in general is is something that a lot of us have been thinking about. The way that a friend of mine put it was, well, you know, when we come out of this, um, there'll be a big adjustment to the idea of the American dream. That's all. Just an adjustment to the, the, the whole idea. Like, you know, that any one of us could acquire the kind of wealth to live thoroughly independent of stress somehow or independent of, of the difficulties that no, the kind of difficulties and hardship, which has been a part of the majority of the world's existence for so long are going to be a part of uh, Americans existence for a while. Because when you think about it, we've really so many different industries have built up their money on the dependability of entertainment dollars tourism dollars, live event dollars, and all those things have just completely disappeared and will not come back normally. So you've got a lot of industries who are going to have to face an adjustment period, hotels and sporting events and everything. There's going to be kind of a big restructuring that's going to go on, and we don't exactly know what it's going to look like. Yeah, uh, the new... uh decree by uh, Americans will be a prefab home and a uh, Honda 50 for everybody. <laughs> you know, I mean, that will, uh, and go to the Google machine and check out Honda 50s because that was the, <laughs> the ride of the day back in the 60s. Matt, uh, great pleasure as always. Uh, enjoy the next six or seven weeks with Danny uh, uh, sitting in for our good friend Mac, and uh, we will keep it going for you. We have people to thank today, including Mike Shirley, the scouting director of the White Sox, the great Pat Hughes, the broadcaster for Cub Baseball. Uh, Great job by Adam, our producer, and we will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Yeah, and as Bruce mentioned, I'll be sitting in with Danny Parkins um, the next two weeks and then for four weeks in July doing afternoons. And because of that, I'll miss out on Saturday morning inside the clubhouse. Uh, Great pleasure today, Bruce, and I'll see you Soon, that's for sure, and I'll have to see if uh, maybe you'll wake up on a Sunday morning and join me on Hit and Run along the way. It's automatic. All right, good, just so I can get my Bruce fix. All right, everybody, have a great day. He's Bruce Levine. I'm Matt Spiegel. Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum are next right here on The Score. Have a great day. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.